Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 here with new Old Dominion basketball coach Mike Jones, who is uh, back home. And Mike, uh, great to see you here. A couple DMV guys uh, from Old Dominion now here on campus. Certainly not the campus in the school we went to. Definitely not. A lot has changed down here. And uh, the one thing I hope that's not going to change is the, the winning that will be done. And uh, I, I, I cannot wait. I couldn't be more excited. This is a blessing for me. Um, prayed about this. This is something that I completely am ready for. I'm so stoked to be back here at Old Dominion. So obviously a lot has moved quickly here uh, since the time Jeff Jones retired and you were uh, reached out to by the, by the search committee. Just your thoughts on when you first got that, that contact from them and kind of the emotions that went through you. Well, the, when the search firm called to say that uh, they wanted to set up an interview uh, after I got off the phone call, it, like literally my thought was, okay, this is the chance that I've been waiting for and uh, let's prepare for this interview. So, um, and then... I had a second interview yesterday, and going into that, I felt like I had good momentum from the first interview, so my whole thought process was to not screw it up. So, um, But ultimately, uh, I felt very comfortable communicating with President Hemphill and Dr. Selig. I felt like they were very comfortable communicating with me. Um, to me, that was an indication of how easy it would be to work for them and work with them. And uh, again, I cannot be happier and so excited to be able to do just that. Well, I know you spent, obviously, a lot of time at your alma mater at DeMatha. Um, then, you know, some people were surprised up there, obviously, when you went to take that leap into college. Could you kind of share what was the thing that made you want to make that leap and, and how it could get you to this moment? And to be honest with you, I, and I can't put it any more simple, uh, Mike Young was the reason why I, I took the leap. Um, I give him all the credit for that. He saw something um, that, you know, he, he saw something in me and felt like, it was the time for me. Uh, Mike Bray uh, had to do a little urging me himself. He His conversations with Mike Young, um, so the two of them kind of double-teamed me. Um, Oliver Purnell gave me the Mike Young stamp of approval, and I believe Coach Purnell did the same thing with Mike Young about me. And, uh, and that seems like so long ago, but, you know, again, without that phone call from Coach Young on May 5th in 2021, um, we're not having this conversation right now. We might still be talking, but it's not about this. Yeah, I talked to you many years up there in D.C. over the years, just wondering if someday this opportunity might come for you. Now, you went back to Maryland last year. I remember talking to you in April uh, after you got the, the job to go back up there. Obviously, at that point, you're, you're not thinking about how quickly you might be making the next move. But what, what are that experience this year at Maryland? And obviously, it's still going on. You still have a little bit of a season left. What has that done for you to, to help you get ready for now? Um, it's, it's been a tremendous help to me in the way I look at the game of basketball, uh, especially on the defensive end, um, to watch Coach Willard's intensity every day, uh, the way he demands the best out of his players. Um, you know, obviously we haven't had the greatest of seasons, but um, he is the ultimate professional. Um, he is a coach's coach, and uh, I, I cannot thank him for the opportunity. And Maryland was the school I rooted for when I grew up, so um, being able to go back there and work with him and learn from him for the last year, incredible uh, in my coaching journey. Here with Old Dominion head coach Mike Jones here, Scott Jackson Show. In-person interview here right inside uh, Chartway Arena after uh, the big announcement today. All right, let me, let me ask you this part of it. For you, now that you've got to kind of be two places at once, what, what's the first priority for you? Is it you go through the roster? Is it the staffing? What, what, what is the thing you really kind of hone in on at this point? Well, again, having that conversation with the current players and having a conversation with the current coaching staff, um, i got to figure out where everyone's head is and, you know, who wants to be here um, and, and then start to make some decisions from there. Um, 
um, getting a staff in place um, as the 18th comes and the portal opens up is incredibly important, but also knowing what the roster looks like going into what they call portal season. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to those conversations and uh, uh, hopefully they happen sooner uh, rather than later. Well, you started your career here in the Sun Belt. A lot different looking Sun Belt, right? So, so technically, no. Okay. So, Old Dominion was leaving the Sun Belt, going to the CAA. So I literally signed in the spring. So it was already known that we were going to be in the CAA. So, I mean, I guess I had my left foot in the Sun Belt, <laughs> my right foot in the CAA, but I only played in the CAA. But very different, right? Sun Belt, this, this per, uh, particular edition of it's larger. I don't know how much you get to see it or pay attention to it, but just kind of your thoughts in general on what, what you have maybe heard about it or seen from watching yourself. Um, that, you know, obviously the, the teams are spread out a little bit, but uh, – the footprint of the Sun Belt, I think, is very secure, um, especially comparative to a lot of other mid-major conferences. Um, there is some security in the Sun Belt. Um, I do know there were a few first-time head coaches last year that came into the league. Uh, it looks like there might be a couple more this year, um, but a couple of coaches have done so well that they're possibly moving on to bigger jobs. So um, this is a league that clearly um, the competition level is incredibly high. Uh, I do know a couple of the coaches, and they're top-notch. Um, so, you know, being on your A game and being able to recruit against them and then being able to, you know, game plan against them is something I look forward to. Well, for, for you, you were at two schools that obviously care about football a lot in, in um, Virginia Tech and Maryland. When you left ODU, obviously there was no thought of football. I think it was killed like in 90, I want to say, right? Yeah, I remember yeah, 90, yeah, they said, like, right. it's never coming back. Uh, so I remember thinking, oh, man, that's, that's too bad. And then to come down here, obviously, and see football be part of football experiences, I know you've done that. How can you use that as the basketball coach to, to your advantage when you're bringing potential recruits on campus? Well, your recruiting weekends become so much different when you've got football games. Um, so that is in the most basic sense is incredibly important um you have an event that they can actually see you, know, you bring guys in in the fall the basketball team is working out but there's no fan engagement and things like that but we can go over to ballard stadium and watch odu play whomever and they can see you know the students in the in the stadium they can see the fans supporting the stadium um, they can walk around and kind of get the energy of what the fan base in the 757 is like and that is an incredible advantage for ODU and I plan to use that advantage because again um, the game is about getting talent retaining talent and coaching talent and uh, again we, we I think we have a good game plan you just gotta get the guys to do it Speaking of talent, obviously the portal window opens, what, in three weeks, a little bit less, I guess, at this point, the 18th. Um, how much of, of that do you kind of pivot to once you get the meeting with the team and kind of get a feel for who is, who's in and who may be out? Well, you got to. I mean, that's literally the lifeblood of college basketball right now. So, you know, there's so many. There's, there'll be one or two teams out of 360 that will stand put with their roster and won't lose anybody to the portal. So, obviously, you know, most likely you're going to be on the other side of that spectrum. So, you know, paying attention all year long, which I have, um, and, and then making sure that, you know, you've got your ear to the ground to know when guys are going in the portal and then knowing exactly what you need. Um, again, you've got a fighting chance. And but I, I keep saying it, I cannot wait to get started. Um, I'm looking forward to every challenge that's thrown our way. Speaking of fighting chance, uh, the recruiting class was obviously highly rated for Old Dominion. Uh, you're, you know, I'm sure, one of those players very well because you see him up there in the D.C. area. What, what are your thoughts on that class, and, and can you, and how do you kind of go about trying to secure that if you choose? Well, I've already had a conversation with all three of them, um, and we're working. We're going to make sure that we 
do everything we can to keep that class together. Um, I'm not a big promise maker, so I don't want to promise the fans that those three guys are coming, but uh, I feel good about the conversations I had, and um, they're incredibly talented. Uh, you know, Dr. Seeley can tell you, when ODU signed the three of them and it became public knowledge, one of the first things I did was send him a text message to let him know that is a great class, like, and you, I mean, basically applaud your coaching staff for getting that together. Um, those three young men can be very special together together here at ODU, and uh, now it's my job to do the best I can to try to keep them with us. Well, Dominion Head Coach Mike Jones, all right, style of play, we, we talked about it a little bit on the podium earlier, but to share it with the audience again, what, what, do you, what do you expect the style of play to be? What is your desire for the style of play to be? My desire is to have a product that people want to watch and people want to root for, but most importantly, that players want to play. Um, so we're going to be versatile. We want to get up and down. We want to play a fast-paced game. I want to score a lot of points, and I want to guard so that the other team doesn't score a lot of points. Um, that's obviously a very generic statement, but I truly mean that. And again, the teams that I've been the head coach for, if you look at the way we played, that is what we're going to look like. Um, I'm going to recruit to that, and uh, I'm always going to coach the team we have. Um, if we've got dominant post players, we're going to play through them. If we've got dominant guards, we're going to play through them. Um, if we've got great shooters, yeah, we're going to launch some threes. Um, if we've got great athletes, we're going to run actions to be able to get guys downhill and being able to get into the paint and make plays. So um, the, the, the cool thing is I've had teams that have done each of those things and done it very successfully. So no matter what our roster looks like, we're, we're going to fight like hell to make sure that, again, we put a product on the floor that fans want to watch and fans want to root for. Certainly an exciting time, Mike. It's uh, great to have you here. It's really, I know, for, for uh, a lot of folks, a dream come true to have you Chip, back on campus. So excellent to have you here. And it is weird that you and I are talking into what, when we were on campus, was the 4400 Club uh, here doing this interview. <laughs> I don't know if you thought about that or not. I did not think about that, but actually you are absolutely right. I kind of feel the ghost of the 4400 <laughs> Club kind of hovering over us right now. Well, of course, I probably spent a lot more time there than you did because you were, you were busy. You were Absolutely. training. I was there. I didn't see you there ever, so I'm just going to put that out there on the record. But again, congratulations. Couldn't be happier for you and for, for all the uh, fans to have you back here on campus. It's going to be great. This absolutely 100% is a dream come true for me, and I cannot wait. Mike Jones with us here. Scott Jackson, Joe Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. All right, welcome back. Appreciate again, Mike Jones, uh, for the time today. And uh, again, what a, what an event! What an energy about the um, introduction to uh, well, reintroduction really to Mike Jones. But Mike Jones, the head coach, and introduction today was uh, quite something over at Chartway Arena. And a big game tonight, by the way. In just what forty minutes from now, forty. Well, that's no, at six thirty. Airtime six on thirteen ten. Uh, ODU women taking on James Madison. The winner will be the three seed. Uh, in the tournament, uh, either way, you're playing Friday. Double bye already for both teams, right? But this is more about you know which side of the bracket you want to be on, right? Like this is what this is about. And let's be honest, it'd be nice to beat James Madison. Yes, please. <laughs> I mean, besides you know soccer, women's soccer that consistently does it. I mean, has anybody consistently done it uh, for Old Dominion recently? It doesn't feel Not like recently. It. I think no. it's pretty much the women's soccer team. Maybe. Um, you know, maybe maybe tennis has been beating them because they seem to be very good at tennis these days. But I don't feel like anybody else is beating them on the regular basis. So hopefully that will change. Hopefully that change tonight. But yeah, this is um, you know this could be one of you know two in the next week for those two teams too. You know they could play each other, see each other again like they did last year at the tournament. 
It's a big game for uh, Delisha Milton Jones' team coming up uh, in about an hour from now, a little bit over an hour from now. And again, 1310, we'll have that for you. We'll have the men at. Uh, 6.30 from uh, Georgia Southern, uh, James's favorite place, Statesboro, uh, Georgia. Um, <laughs> that's Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf. So Tyler just had a, a, a really good question on the text line. He said, hey, what, what do you think was this year's biggest flaw with the roster for ODU size? Certainly that didn't help, right? Like, I mean, that didn't help. But I, I got it. What the flaw ended up being was attitude. Like, yeah. I think you could have lived being an undersized team. Because as the season's gone on, they've actually held their own rebounding against a lot of these teams in the conference. Now, there are some bully teams like, you know, like App State, like when they're really into their game, they can bully you like with their size as they did to ODU the other night. But I mean, it really was just there wasn't a buy in, man. It was just a lot of self. And it's, you know, they're still fighting it. I mean, they're still fighting it. And just, you know, I mean, just again, it's, it's, it's been a dribbling expedition too many nights. I mean, just not ball movement. Guys just concerned about getting their shots up. Uh, and they've been battling it all year. And they've had moments where they don't do that, play hard, buy in, especially defensively. It's been nice to see. But just not a consistent level of buy in. Hey, we're doing this as a group, uh, as the five guys on the floor make each other better, sacrificing. And it just hasn't hasn't happened. And it's uh, it's frustrating because um, cause there are some guys trying to do the right things. And there's some, yeah. you know, we had one of them on yesterday. I mean, Jason Wade is a dream. I wish he had three younger brothers, I said to him when we got off the air yesterday when I was doing the interview after I taped the interview with him. Uh, because, you know, that's the kind of kid you want. And this is what this is what Mike's gonna find, right? Like there's gonna be some talented people that are gonna potentially get run out of here. And you just gonna have to take you're just gonna have to trust the process. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I just did a, yes, I just you did did. a Josh Harris here. You did. But you're gonna have to trust the process that Mike's gonna have to go through because there's gonna be some things that are gonna happen here in the next few weeks. And people go, Oh my God, well, how could you do that? This such and such was so valuable. No, no. I mean try he he's got he's got a lot of people. Uh he's got a good scouting report on a lot of this stuff. He's gonna have to scout it himself, you know, by watching the film, by meeting one on one with everyone. But, you know, as I've gone through this season over and over, way too many times. I mean, I'm way too invested in this stuff. Uh, you look at this conference, and you know everybody will talk. We talk at nauseum about NIL money and collectives and all this stuff, and they're all swell and they're wonderful. But at the end of it, you have to have people that are responsible enough to handle that that and still come to work and not be caught up in that. And still care about the the first, you know. The, the the first things first, you know what I mean? They they have to still care about the the playing basketball and committing to playing it the correct way. Now I sound like Larry Brown. Um, <laughs> play the right way. Um, talk about practice, man. Anyway, so that that's what was frustrating this year. And again, I go back to the two best teams by a lot in this Sun Belt Conference. They've got experience uh, and they have uh, selfless play. And talking about it, App State number one and James Madison too. Although I think Madison. Looks to me, against ODU at least, better, but yet they can't beat App State. At least they haven't in the first two tries. They may get them a third time and beat them. Uh, you know, I look at Princeton this year. There's no NIL money at Princeton. Hell, there's no. no scholarships at Princeton. Oh, my God, was that a beautiful team to watch. Way they moved the ball, way guys cut, way helped each other. They're awesome. You couldn't convince me Princeton couldn't beat anybody in the country. I think you put them on the court one night, hell's to the yeah. And they may not even get, you know, and here's the crazy thing of the Ivy, right? Like, you're not guaranteed anything nope. if you don't win that tournament. But Princeton is a fun team to watch, and it's it's not just because they shoot it well. It's just like the whole package. They just do everything to make one another better, and that's what the two best teams in this conference have done this year. And again, ironically, 
two teams that apparently don't have a whole lot of money invested in their roster. And, I, and I'm not saying this to say you don't sh- you shouldn't, but I, I think that has to be that that isn't always got to be the main focus to picking players. Like, oh, can we outbid somebody for this guy or that guy? No, it's like pick the people you think are right. And yeah, I mean, if that's part of it, so be it. But it's it can't be that we're so fixated on this stuff now, and it's clearly other schools are doing it without it uh, and doing it well, uh, you, you know. And that's what's really going to embarrass you. Like Texas A and M, oh, they had the greatest NIL program in the history of NIL. Oh, who cares? They didn't even make yeah, a bowl that game out? that year after uh-huh. millions of dollars flushed down the toilet. Oh my God, what could you have done with that money? <laughs> Don't they have big bonfires there in <laughs> yeah. Aggie mean, country? Yeah, I mean, what could you have done with that money? Like, uh, clearly, like, we know what they did with it. Yeah, they flushed. They might as well just set it off to a charity. They, it been they threw it in the bonfire, man. Right, it would have been much more responsible. All right, let's do this. I'll get to my horse for a second. Um, but excited to see what Mike's going to do. Very excited about it. We got to trust uh, what he needs to be comfortable here. Like what we might think would be good for him may not be what he thinks is good for him and how he wants to run the program, and who he wants to work with him side-by-side side each night. So that, that's what's going to be interesting, uh, to see how you know who and where this staff comes from, how many people he retains, if he does. I mean, he may not. I don't know. Um, you know, and, and how it, it all meshes together. Because the staff is very important. And, and, the, and the head coach needs the ability to pick the staff. You know, I've felt like that for a long time. I mean, sometimes you'd see this with with uh, pro sports where they kind of they stick you with certain people in staffs. You know, you and you know, like okay, this guy's got contract left. This is this is being recommended by the owner or whatever. Uh, but no, I, I think the the beauty of this from what what I've gotten out of it is that Mike is going to have carte blanche to put the staff together how he sees it fit to do what's going to be best for him. And for most, well, best for Old Dominion uh, basketball. All right, 757-687-9494. I'll tell you what, let's do this because we're coming up on the update and I don't want James to be running around too much. Let's do a uh, caller one, caller number one right now. Willie Nelson, uh, the Outlaws Tour, uh, 757-687-9494, That is Willie Nelson and uh, family and it's Bob Dylan, it's Robert Plant. I mean, geez, Robert Plant. Allison Krauss, Outlaw Music Festival. Pre-sale uh, started today, this morning. Finally went on sale at LiveNation.com. But you can win a pair right now, the Outlaw Music Festival, if you're caller one seven five seven six eight seven ninety four ninety four. 687 June 26th, that show. Does it bother any of the Led Zeppelin people out there? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying like Led Zeppelin's even top three or four for me, but I really do enjoy Led Zeppelin. The fact that... Robert Plant continues to do his thing, tour, sings, yada, yada, yada. And Jimmy Page does his own separate projects. Like, so clearly active musicians still. And they just won't get it together to do, like, give everybody what they would probably, you know, pay really big money for. I mean, I just kind of, it kind of baffles me sometimes. I mean, they've done some of the Zeppelin reloads. Like, where's the Bonham kid? Um, who actually, you know, is touring constantly with Sammy Hagar now. It's just, why is there not a Led Zeppelin consistent reunion thing? I mean, I mean, a kiss can put the egos out of the way long enough, as many years they did to make the money. You would think Led Zeppelin would have done it. I don't know. I'm sure i got to go back and read one of their books and figure out why they can't get past it. It's very annoying. All right, 757-687-9494. I'll go play Willie Nelson, but don't bring Robert. But do not bring Jimmy Page along. <laughs> okay. All right. Allison Krauss, sure. Jimmy Page, no. I don't get it. All right, Willingham via the text line, 757-687-9494. I bet you didn't think you'd get any Led Zeppelin content today on this show. Uh, Scott Jackson and James, I'm not 
taken up for the guy who said that his cat can talk to him. But he meant his cat communicates with him. Cats can communicate with you. Ask James to look up the show, Mr. Ed the Talking Horse. <laughs> Excuse the pig and the hog don't have no manners. Oh, my God. Wow. That's good. In, All right. in Charlotte's Web, they, the animals talk that to the bar, too. That is very true. Um, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think this is the route we were going to go. I today, didn't think but. it was either. I mean, you know, I thought I was going on a detour doing the Led Zeppelin gripe, and now I've got <laughs> Willingham putting us, you know, knocking us around, and wow. our, our, our listeners who don't believe that Bill's cat talks to him. Oh man, it's Friday though. You know, <laughs> I mean, it is Friday. That it is, and, and it know, is five o'clock. By the way, it is definitely five o'clock now. Absolutely, yeah. it is totally five o'clock somewhere wow. now. 5 o'clock, 5.30 right here, as a matter of fact. All right, do we have a winner for the uh, Outlaws tickets? Yeah, Bobby in Virginia Beach was very fast. Good for Bobby. All right, Bobby, congrats. Hope you're not hoping uh, Robert or Robert Plant's going to sing any Zeppelin songs. Instead, he's going to sing with Allison Krauss. But uh, not going to do any. Not gonna, hey, Jim, anybody can be on this tour except for Jimmy freaking Page. All right, anyway. All right, 757-687-9494. All right, coming up, we'll uh, get back to um, some more from the Combine. A lot, lot to chew on there. have some text to get to as well. Uh, Andy um, has some ideas for the name of the, of the Washington franchise. I got people angling for different quarterbacks on the text line. All kinds of stuff and more about talking pets. Uh, Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED. Easy for me to say. 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. James Witham's got your sports center. All right. We are uh, brought to you by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED. 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. By the way, a couple things off Mike Jones today uh, with ODU as we get back to uh, some of your text and calls here as well at 757-687-9494. I did ask um, him about like, you know, kind of what the DNA of the team was going to be um, during the podium session in addition to the, the interview you heard. And you may have, because um, somebody had texted me about this earlier, why did he say he owes me money? Um, so the story behind that, and I didn't really understand. I thought I knew the meaning of it when when he told me, but I didn't quite know the meaning of it. But uh, uh, apparently, the the long and the short of it is because I guess he did hear the show on Tuesday. Um. I was going to say anybody that listened to the show on Tuesday <laughs> yeah. should understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because I wasn't sure. Because I mean, I, I'll be honest, with you, I don't leave a lot to chance in life, and when I get a chance to tell somebody something. When I see them, I do, and I kind of might have bent our our athletic director's ear a little bit on Monday as we just happened to run <laughs> each other into the parking lot as we're going to Jeff's retirement ceremony, and I said, "Hey, look, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of people are well-meaning, would, but I'm just gonna, you know, and want to give you free advice. But if you're asking me, and I know you're not, <laughs> and at that point, I thought he started running away from me, but no, he was nice enough to sit there and listen. I said, "I just think we could make this thing really simple." Anyway, so his wife had said to him because she had heard the the radio thing as well. Apparently, he was playing it very late at night. And she was trying to sleep. Uh, Stacy said, "Hey, uh, are you?" Paying this guy what's the deal you know why is he saying all these things but no i mean i believe what i said i mean i don't some guy said hey did you have an inside uh, you know when you said this on monday or tuesday on the air that you thought he's the next coach i was like no 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 i mean i thought it was a no-brainer i didn't have any certainty at that time that they felt the same way i did i just i think it made too much sense not to make him the next head coach and look you know some things just make sense and and again when they make that much sense why on earth would you wait if you can get it done now do it now and they did and you got to give them a lot of credit for that no it's great and again to hear that the president was the big the guy's like let's do this i like i love that because again 
You know, Blaine Taylor brought this up uh, to me, and I think he let folks over there know it as well. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't just like, oh, you have all this time to get. It's like, no, actually, you really you don't. You really need to, to take a shot quickly because of this portal stuff on the 18th. And it just, you know, like football, we talk about this Ricky, Ronnie all the time. We talk to their coach. It's just never ending. But really with basketball, same kind of thing now. You got to, whenever this season, you know, I, hey, it would be cool if they could extend the season beyond Tuesday. I, I don't, you know, I don't think anybody in America outside of that locker room thinks that's possible, but it is. I mean, they could certainly Mm -hmm. beat the 11, whoever that team ends up being. Uh, But after that, you know, it would be kind of a long shot to continue to play with with the way things have gone this year and the inability to be consistent. But hey, what what the heck? Uh, Why not? You're going all the way down there. You might as well make the best of it. So any of that. That was uh, the gist of what Mike was saying about the money thing. And he, he doesn't owe me anything. He just has to win. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he just has to win. No big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll let him just win. It would be cool. Wouldn't that. that be the sweetest payment of all, though? Yeah, no you doubt. Know? Yeah, exactly. Hey, John and Hampton um, gives me some insight. And I knew there was some backstory, but I, I don't know. I haven't watched um, Behind the Music in a while. He says Robert Plant and Jimmy Page will just not tour as Led Zeppelin because they felt that John Bonham was such an integral part of the band that they uh, would never use another drummer. But again, his kid is very, his kid is perfect. Anyway, and they have used him before, but I hear what he's saying. I thought it'd be disrespectful to his memory. Uh, it's the same with Rush and Neil Peart. Well, that just happened, right, with Neil Peart. And I say just happened in the last three years. And uh, by the way, this is John who was looking for the video that he said he was shooting a music video. Remember the gloss? Yeah, I, d- yeah. Said, yeah I was shooting a music video when ODU and Villanova played in triple overtime. I'm like, what? Whoa, 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 go back. We want to hear about that. So anyway, he also went on to say, so busy with other projects, but yeah, I'd pay to see that. Yeah, I mean, they'd make a killing. And, and I know they've been offered a lot of money over the years to do it, and they just... Whatever, man, they've got, as the kids would say, that F you know what money. You know what I'm saying? That's what they've mm-hmm. got for them. So good for them. Good for them. Uh, Rich in Norfolk said, I uh, want to comment on a segment about Josh Harris was at the Combine on being uh, in the interviews. Yes. Uh, it's a new venture that he is on and the first time and he's seeing what goes on in football. I'm fine with him doing these things. It's, the, it's new to him. He will not be like Jerry Jones. He's trying to do right by the organization fans. Uh, time will tell. It's a results business. Uh, I wish him nothing but the, and the staff nothing but uh, success. I'm not worried. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Rich. Again, if, if, he, um, if he wants to be a part of the process and understand it, that's fine. Uh, if he takes the draft card at the end of April, I'm not so fine. Yeah. Uh, but he's put $75 million in that dump of a stadium. He's trying to do whatever he can uh, to, do, um, you know, to, to do right by you know fix that as well as he can which is not an easy project uh and again i take him for his word i think he's just trying to understand the lay of the land i'm with you um our guy tyler says what are your thoughts on the commander's cuts today only one that surprised me was leno he's a world he wasn't a world beater but he was league average hip surgery yeah i think the hip surgery did him in that's what did it yeah uh for sure i mean when you find out that and you're not going to have him and it is a big price tag and they probably talked to him about taking less and he didn't now we'll say this I find it interesting that three of the guys they cut today were three of the guys that were very loud about the enemy. And I know the enemy's not there. That's a good point. But say what you want, and we all could have thought it. I thought it. I said it on the radio every week after the game how annoyed I was by the game plan. They haven't cut me yet. Could happen. But anyway, um, (laughs) still don't know. Anyway, so who knows? But that being said, it's still like one of those things that I, I, you know, I just, I don't know. Maybe not. I love Logan Thomas, but he was a bit of a clubhouse lawyer, I think is the f- way to put it. All right. And he was very much so this year. And again, just not productive and healthy enough for, for, for me to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, 
The guy Nick Gates stunk. I mean, he was terrible. I mean, and I had to see his fat stomach every day of camp. Like, what are those half shirts? And, you know, like he was doing a bit all the time, like for some wrestling team. But he just couldn't block anybody. So I, I couldn't have that. They, they got better when they cut him. Or not cut him. They benched him, excuse me, and put in, you know, they put in Tyler Larson, who was always injured. But yet when he's healthy, he's always been helpful. Yep. He was better. And that was a terrible upgrade. Again, another Rivera mismanagement of the offensive line, which we were used to by now. And um, not, yeah, so Leno, not that, not that shocked about, but once I, you know, the, the hip surgery makes it a lot more of a thing that makes sense. You know what I mean? The shocking part is the, is the now gaping hole that it leaves. And with, yeah. you got, you got, they you got, got to hope, you got to hope that there's a plan for that already in place, obviously. I would hope but, so, yeah. I but think it's, they're... it's still concerning because, because now the holes are adding up. Yeah, they are. They're, they are adding up. Um, uh, this is from Pittsburgh Ross's commander's name, DC Savages. Oh. Uh, but he goes, you can't, you can't call Bill a liar until you've met Skippy to hear his side of the story. <laughs> That's funny. I'm third- not, man. I've listen. I've, I've heard this. I've had enough calls from him to know that, um, he believes the cat talks. So, uh, <laughs> could be a 30 for 30 coming here. <laughs> Yeah. To, oh, yeah. The Thomas injury. You're right. It was that cheap shot. It was uh, the Terp, the dirty Terp that hit him with the Raiders game. That's right. And Gakwe. Yeah, that was terrible. Yeah, that's totally. You're. You're. That's a good point. I'd forgotten about that. Um, Andy Young says, or you could, or you could go with Redskin Peanut instead of Potato. Talking about the team name, especially due to the history of peanuts in our area. Not bad. Well, yeah, because the team's going to move to Virginia. You guys are oh, yeah. aware of this. They're going to be Clearly. down at the oceanfront. Um, that's what they're doing with Rudy Inlet uh, Loop. Um, <laughs> 757-687-9494. That's the uh, Valley Hills phone line. Text line's open for business as well. Greg says, I see Washington taking May at two and then going after tight end Schultz and wide receiver Boyd seal up the line with uh, Anawuna at uh, left tackle. Interesting. I, I like Schultz, Dalton Schultz, the former Cowboy slash Texan. I, yeah. I think he might get tagged would be my fear, but I do like him a lot. I think that would be a good find for them, but I think, I think if he's the stay. Texans are crazy with Stroud if they don't lock him up. Now, I, I don't, And I think their cap situation is pretty good. I don't think they're in, in danger of you know, needing to do anything crazy, but no, that's not a, that's not a terrible idea at all. Greg, good, good thoughts, Greg, better than you trying to trade Russell Wilson, uh, to See, Washington. Now you're learning. Now yeah, you're exactly. Exactly. Thank exactly. You. All right. Seven, five, seven, six, eight, seven, 94, 94. All right. That's the number you want to call and you want to win NASCAR tickets. I'm going to do that now. Toyota owners 400 coming up on the 31st of March. Uh, at Richmond Raceway, 757-687-9494. Let's do caller number two, the fast lap. Well, not the fastest lap, the second fastest lap. Uh, on the front row, you can go see the Toyota Owners 400. Uh, speaking of uh, racing, Davey Siegel will join us at 6 o'clock, our NASCAR guy, each and every Friday. Uh, his thoughts on this past weekend and looking ahead to Las Vegas, baby. That all coming up here. Scott Jackson, show Priority Auto Sports Radio. 94.1, we are brought to you by Larry Kinglaw. All right, congrats to uh, Michael in Williamsburg. Uh, he's on the pole. Uh, he's going to see the Toyota Owners 400 coming up on the 31st of March. Tickets are on sale, by the way, right now uh, for that event. If you actually want to pay for tickets, I know. <laughs> we spoil you folks. We give away so much stuff you don't feel like you ever need to pay. Uh, I'm with you. I'm in radio, man. You need to get free stuff when you can. Free is the best kind of anything. Um so, uh, anyway, good luck. Are we done with the tickets or we have them next week? I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm You know done what? It. Let's check. Shall Let's we? go to the videotape. We do not we'll... have race tickets Sorry. next week, but we will have other things. Okay, we had other things. Our Richmondraceway.com. Then go buy them yourself, dang it. 
cheapskates. Uh, RichmondRaceway.com. Go buy them. The Richmond Race coming up. Toyota Owners 400. It's Sunday at Richmond Raceway. So, anyway, we hooked up Michael. Sorry if we missed you, but, you know, this, those are the breaks. So, we're done giving away stuff today. That's all I got for you. You, you had, like, four NASCAR puns in that, in that whole, you like, like that? last two minutes. That was really good. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Now, you weren't here yesterday. I don't know if you saw this on the interwebs or not, but uh, did you see... One of my favorite stories of the sports year, although it is kind of serious because the guy did do some bad stuff, but Chiefs Aholic, the the wolf guy. Yes. Anyway. Yes. He has a lawyer. Did you see this guy? I saw the lawyer. Did you yes. see the cheesy puns he did about football? I like did. Uh, standing on the, the court steps door or the courtroom uh steps. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now, I hope to goodness he didn't pay for that lawyer. Like I hopefully that's like a pro bono deal, <laughs> or that guy was like, all right, here is the uh, you know here's here's the uh, what do you call him the, the public defender that we have been. Yeah, he was the assigned assigned lawyer, public yeah. defender. I mean, and, I'm proud, and I'm sorry if you're a public defender, you're better than this guy. Anybody's better than this. Now, guy. Chiefs of Hall, I can't use the money he stole to pay no, for the lawyer. No, so no, no. yeah, unless he's got like a. Um, you know, like one of those, you know, like you see in the movies, hey, I've stashed some money here in my backyard or I buried some money somewhere in a park and you go, you can go get this and that's where you can get it. It's going to be like the secret. Yeah, your retainer fee, okay? You got to go here and you got to walk 50 paces off of that big tree over there, uh, eastern, uh, if, east, and then you'll find it and they'll just dig it up. So It's a good treasure hunt, you know. Yeah, a good little treasure hunt. Because, you know, that's always been my suspicion of, um, you know, this the guy Greg Anderson, Barry Bonds' friend, right? Went to jail a like two, t- either love prison, um, or he was like the greatest friend in the history of friends, or oh. Barry Bonds, you know, had some money waiting for him on the other side. I mean, and it's got to be that, right? Like of all the things, Greg Anderson just continued not to cooperate. People were just ratting out people left and right. Not Greg Anderson, man. No, no, no. He kept going back to prison. He loved it. He so loved you're prison. saying that Barry Bonds pulled an Andrew- Andy Dufresne. And had something waiting for Red on the other side. All right. I think so. Okay. I think okay. so. I can't prove it, but darn it, it, does, it sure smells that way. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't make sense, because yeah. yeah. it, it could actually happen. It definitely could happen. Uh, somebody had texted me earlier, and I lost who it was now. It might have been, uh, anyways, one of the commander's people, uh, or, or, or you know, people that hate the commander's names, one or the other. They wondered if it was surprised or was asking me if I thought any of the defensive backs were going to get cut. I mean, no. I mean, they don't. They have free agents in the defensive backfield, but they don't have any. They don't have anybody that's like making any money. No, no, no. We we need. They need defensive DB. backs. Right, right. Like you need to maybe even tag one of your. You know, they saying they're not tagging anybody. That's that's the that's the news. And if that's the case, then they're really going to be uh, hurting back there. But just to go through this real quick, Kendall Fuller's a free agent, right? Um, then safety wise, you've got Cam Curl, who's a free agent, who's looking for big money, and I think they're gonna clearly roll the dice and say, okay, here's whatever we're gonna give you, or go check the market and you know hope that he comes back, but he may not. So they've got him as a free agent as well. You got Jeremy Reeves, who was you know all pro special teams guy forever. He's a free agent, and then so what that leaves you with in terms of your guys under contract, obviously the rookie Quan Martin. Uh, you got Derek Forrest for one more year, the other safety, Percy Butler, who was was up and down. I would say the safe way to put it clearly. You got St. Juice still, who um you know is a guy who is a, they love to say he's close to the play, but he doesn't always make the play. Uh, you got Emmanuel Forbes, who was in the witness protection program throughout a good portion of the season. And then you got people like Tariq Castro Fields and Christian Holmes, you know, Nick Whiteside, just depth guys. They don't have a number one corner if they don't have Fuller. And you could debate whether Fuller really is that at this point. He's going to get paid like one. Now, he's going to get paid like one of those guys here pretty soon. But 
I, it'll be, it'll be uh, interesting to see how they handle that position because clearly a position you could do the free agent thing. You could draft it. Um, I would think Dan Quinn and um, Witt, you know, Joe Witt have a real feeling for what kind of corner they want. And they have improved. I mean, look, in that defense, there's been somebody, right, every year in that defense they played in Dallas, whether it was Diggs first and then last year Bland, yeah, that just blows the heck up, right? You know, this blows up. So that will be the uh, interesting part about it. Um, what am I seeing here? I'm reading wrong. I'm not sure who Ross is talking about. He says he went to every KC game. There is no money left. Oh, the Chiefsaholic? A Chiefsaholic, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he wasn't sitting with Taylor Swift. There's yeah. got to be some money left. Yeah, again, he, he buried some money somewhere, probably. Um, Richard Norfolk asking about Sean Taylor's brother. Who's at Rice, right? Is that where Sean Taylor's brother? I believe it is Rice, yeah. yeah. So here's such a weird story. So I well, I used to do this digital show with Darrell Young, played fullback for the Redskins. And um, so he, he, was, he was friendly with uh, Sean Taylor's father. And I Pedro, interviewed him a bunch of times, you know, and he did book tour and everything. And... Just a, again, a really good good family. Just a heartbreaking story, obviously. But I met the little the kid, the little brother, when he was a kid. Like he was like twelve or thirteen years old, and he was playing like backyard football with my kids at this thing we were at one time. And he was freaking sick, right? Like as you would expect, <laughs> he's Sean Taylor's brother. But you know, clearly, like there's only one Sean Taylor. I mean, the story's legendary with what he, the way he his dad pushed him, right, and the way he was like he at. at the team's training facility, and this is back when it was really, really rural out there where they are now in Ashburn. He would he would bike home from the practices in the dark, which is like crazy because his country road. I mean, back then, but there's like no bike lanes or anything. Yeah, but he would do that every day just to get the extra workout in, or he'd run back, or he'd leave his like he'd just leave his car there wow. and run home if he drove. Like he was always, cons- you know, constantly working out and pushing himself yeah I, i've not seen you know what i have not i'll look at it eventually but i have not looked at any type of draft uh evals on his brother and i can't say i saw rice football in the last two years more than like a bowl game so well unless we played him i didn't see it <laughs> yeah so i couldn't tell you but i do know that he was you know look he ended up at rice right he didn't end up in texas he didn't have right. a&m doesn't mean he can't be a stud someday but he was certainly not of Sean's level coming out of high school. And Rice has improved as a program. I mean, yeah. they, they were down yeah. for a while, but they had, they had a decent year he's, last year. I believe he's a, a thinner frame player. I don't, I don't think he's nearly – I mean, Sean was a, could have been a linebacker. I mean, he just – he was a one-of-a-one, one, right? Every – the wild thing about him, too, every year, right? Every kid that comes out in the draft that plays that position says they want to be Sean Taylor. Like, yep. who was the most – like, they remember Sean Taylor. It's, they always say that. They always say they want to be Sean Taylor. So Gabe Taylor is his brother. Um and yeah, I, I don't know wh- how they see him as far as the next level, or if they do. But I sure as heck know this much: if his, <laughs> if the former owner was here, oh no, there's doubt. no question, no doubt, he's drafted, right? Uh-huh. Like no questions Absolutely. asked. Absolutely, no. Que- it doesn't matter if it makes sense. Doesn't matter if it's good for him or bad for him. He's drafted. Like there's no question. Uh-huh. Gabriel Taylor is drafted by Washington if Dan Snyder was still owning the team. And then, you know, again, that terrible, terrible, whatever that was, honor to him, supposedly, the mannequin, as somebody referred Man, to Man, I've as. never heard air quotes harder yeah. than I just heard them right there. They were a mannequin. They put up a mannequin. It was bad. Him. It's yeah. bad. And again, I didn't think they should put up a statue of him because I thought that was a little extreme. Like, they didn't put statues up for Bobby Mitchell, for goodness sakes. But they put up a mannequin. It was bad. Installation. It's horrible. 
horrible, embarrassing. All right, coming up, uh, Davey Siegel will talk some NASCAR. Big race this weekend in Vegas, baby. All right, and then before we get out of here, uh, Philly fans, <laughs> you've ruined it for yourself. We'll get to that. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King, Law James Witham, Scott, your sports center. Scott Jackson Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. We're brought to you by Larry King, Law. Right now, via the Ballyhoo's guest line, our pleasure once again to talk to our NASCAR expert. He is Davey Siegel, host and producer at Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Good enough to join us this week before the big race in Vegas. But, hey, Davey, what about last week's finish in Atlanta? I mean, you know, if it was a horse race, we'd have called it a photo finish. <laughs> yeah, I, it was a photo finish. They had to go to the videotape, as they say. And I thought Ryan Blaney had it when I was watching on TV. I was listening to the radio call. Doug Wright of PRN thought that Ryan Blaney had it. Turns out, upon further review, when they actually went to the photo finish, Daniel Suarez edged him by three one-thousandths of a second, which makes it the third-closest finish in NASCAR history. It was an insane finish, but honestly, Scott, an insane race, too. And I think a lot of people have some recency bias, and people are saying, oh, my God, that was the greatest finish of all time, and that was one of the best races of all time. In this case, I don't think that's hyperbolic. I really think that when you look at the totality of that race, it was one of the best in recent memory, which kind of makes it one of the best of all time. I'm not going to say that it was the best of all time, but, man, just start to finish, action-packed, and the finish left you on the edge of your seat for sure. It was amazing. It was unreal. Well, it's a great way for them to start the season. You know, last week, obviously, with the Daytona race getting kicked into Monday and then, of course, the caution and all that stuff, which wasn't the greatest situation. And as we discussed last week, maybe not even a lot of racing at times. Uh, th- this seemed to be what the doctor ordered what they had in Atlanta. Agreed, 100%. And, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. The first stage, it was very herky-jerky. Took almost an hour to complete. A lot of cautions. I mean, they wrecked on lap two. And it was the biggest wreck in the history of Atlanta Motor Speedway. So I'm thinking to myself, guys, let's just let's just log some laps here. Let's get going. But once they did get going, again, it was phenomenal. And Atlanta, I'll put my hand up and say I was in the camp of people that maligned the reconfiguration and it going from a traditional mile-and-a-half intermediate track to a super speedway hybrid type of racetrack. But it's clear that the idea they were going for – is panning out correctly and it's working because even though a mile and a half was lost in the way of a traditional type of race, this super speedway hybrid type of racing, we saw it was really, really good and it was really entertaining. And I think especially when you compare it to the Xfinity race that happened the day before and the truck race also on that same Saturday, the cup race blew it out of the water. I mean, the Xfinity and truck race, it's clear that the experience is not at the level of cup. We know that. But even still, the racing itself that we saw was a little bit more maligned. It was a little bit more calm. The cup race, everybody was on edge. Everybody was on it. There was no fuel saving like we saw the week before at Daytona. And I think the fact that the finish was under green and it was clean and it was three wide, row by row by row, really proves to you that even though you might not realize it on a day-to-day or lap-to-lap basis, these Cup Series drivers are the best in the world at what they do. Because looking at some of those onboard cameras and replaying the finish, it's unbelievable that these guys did not wreck and wad up all their stuff coming to the checkered flag. But they kept it clean, they kept it green, 
and the fans were rewarded with a really, really good finish, one that I will not forget anytime soon. Well, hopefully with something unforgettable this weekend in Vegas, we're here with Davey Siegel, host, producer, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio with us here, Scott Jackson Show via the Ballyhoo's guest line. Uh, Pennzoil 400 uh, presented by Jiffy Lube out there in Vegas this weekend. Uh, can what, what can we expect from this track uh, to bring us this week? And uh, do you think we could have a, a dynamic finish as well? I think I think the the opportunity for a finish is there, but it's funny you ask what what can we expect because that's kind of the question that we've been posing to everybody this week, whether it's drivers, crew chiefs, executives, media members, engineers, and the prevailing sentiment is we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's just kind of where we're at right now, right. and part of that is because Toyota has their new body, Ford has their new body, Chevrolet has their old body, but clearly it's not holding them back at all because there's been six races across truck Xfinity and cup this year. And Chevrolet has won all six of them. And that's the first time that's ever happened for the bow tie brigade in their long, illustrious history in NASCAR. But Vegas, to your point, Scott, it's the first kind of real true test of what these teams have and what these drivers have underneath them, because Daytona is a super speedway. We mentioned the Atlanta, that being a hybrid type of racetrack. This is a more traditional bread-and-butter mile-and-a-half track. So I'm looking at Toyota to see if their strength in numbers, adding two full-time teams, is that going to help them? But more so, is their new body going to help them? And I'm also looking at Chevrolet to see if they can continue, not the hot start that they've had this year, but last year. Their performance on intermediate tracks was really, really good. And to that point, Hendrick Motorsports, they have won the spring Las Vegas race with three different drivers, in each of the last three years. And it was one year ago this weekend that NASCAR's most popular driver, Chase Elliott, had a ski snowboarding accident, broke his leg, and did not race in the Vegas race, which kind of sent his 2023 season into a tailspin. And wouldn't you know it, Chase is the one driver of Hendrick Motorsports out of those four that has not won at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. So I'm looking to see if Hendrick can continue their strong runs in this race and if Chase can kind of get off the schneid and snap that winless streak and get the job done this weekend too. So no shortage of storylines. And I think with this new next-gen car or Gen 7 car, the racing at intermediate tracks has been phenomenal, some of the best we've ever seen. So I think we're going to be in for a barn burner. I think so. Well, although he hasn't won the first two weeks, he's obviously been the most consistent driver in the first two races, Bubba Wallace. How do you think things set up for him this week with a a pair of fifth-place finishes? I think they set up well. And to your point, he has not had a better start to a season in his Cup Series career besides this year. He's the highest in points that he's ever been. Back-to-back top five finishes shouldn't really come as a shock considering he's good at super speedways. But again, that's not the big picture here. The big picture is intermediates, short tracks, road courses, hybrids, all those different type of track types that we've yet to run on so far. But Bubba's solid at intermediates. He has won at Kansas in the past. He absolutely dominated the race in the playoffs at Texas last year before a restart late in the going kind of took him out of contention for the win. And Vegas, it has a lot of similarities to Kansas, where he's dominated multiple times. To Texas, that's also owned by SMI and has a lot of equal characteristics. So I wouldn't be surprised if Bubba runs in the top five, qualifies in the top five, and finishes up there again and I think that's when we can really start to say okay Bubba's gone on good runs before he had a stretch last year 
around the all-star race where he finished inside the top five and even the top three for two, three, four straight weeks. But to kick off a season like this, especially for a guy like Bubba, who is very, very confidence-based, and momentum does mean a lot to him and the 23 team, another good run on this type of track I think would do wonders for not just his confidence, but also the team's confidence for the rest of the year. We're talking to Davey Siegel, host, producer, Sirius XM NASCAR radio with us here on the uh, Scott Jackson Show. Before we get to the big broadcast news uh, in NASCAR, let me let me ask you who else you like this week and who, who we should be keeping our eyes on. I think Vegas, uh, no pun intended, they got it right. Some of the top odds getters are the ones that I look at when we head to Las Vegas. Kyle Larson, he's won this race before, and anytime you go to any specific track, Kyle Larson is going to be atop the favorites for it for good reason. His teammate, William Byron, as well, he won this race last year. He also won the Daytona 500 a couple weeks ago, and he won last week's race at Atlanta one year ago. So he is good everywhere, too. Ryan Blaney, the defending series champion, he's among the top odds getters for the Pennzoil 400, too. He's yet to win at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but he's come close a handful of times. And something that we haven't really talked about yet today, Scott, is Ford. They also have a new body. They also have a lot of success at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, but they've yet to win a race this year, as has Toyota. So I'm looking at Blaney and also Joey Logano, who's obviously carrying the Pennzoil colors. He's won this race three times. He's a three-time Las Vegas Motor Speedway winner, and he's had really good speed at Daytona and Atlanta, but unfortunately not the finishes to show for it. So if he can just kind of get through unscathed, I think the 22 is definitely going to be inside the top 10 when the pay window's open, and we'll see if he can shot through there to get another win at Las Vegas. So it would be his fourth. All right, Davey. So even Dale Earnhardt Jr. is cutting the cord, literally, uh, in his uh, broadcast <laughs> career, uh, leaving NBC for Amazon Prime, Warner Brothers Discovery, according to reports. What What do you make of this, and how big of a deal is this in the, in the world of uh, racing and in consuming it? I would say this is seismic honestly, in the NASCAR broadcast landscape. I mean, Junior's been at NBC for as long as they kind of got back into the game as it pertains to NASCAR, but NBC has loved to use him in other areas. He's been a fixture on their Kentucky Derby coverage. He's been a fixture of their Olympics coverage. He's done some IndyCar coverage as well. And the fact that they weren't able to get a deal done, you know, we don't know the details and it's not officially official yet, I think this is a huge, huge loss for NBC. But in turn, I think it's an enormous gain for Prime Video and Warner Brothers Discovery because NASCAR fans are pretty fickle. And they're kind of skeptical when it comes to certain things. So cutting the cord is one of those things that you know a lot of people are a, a bit nervous about and skeptical of. And for those races to go, quote-unquote, behind a paywall of sorts, starting next year, a lot of people are already just hesitant to do that. But having somebody with the cachet and the star power and the name of Dale Earnhardt Jr. to be anchoring your coverage on race broadcasts, qualifying practice, etc., I don't think you can put a price on how valuable that is, honestly, for Prime Video and for Warner Brothers Discovery. Again, they're paying a lot of money to broadcast these races, I assume they're paying a lot of money for Dale Jr. to come work for them, too. But I think that the value that they get in return, you can't really put a value on that. Because yeah. especially being a new entity coming into NASCAR, 
you're going to have to gain the trust and the knowledge of the fan base pretty quickly. And I think getting somebody like Dale Jr., who has one of the best and the biggest names, not just in NASCAR broadcasting, but I still think he's probably the most recognizable name and figure in NASCAR today, even though he only races a handful of Xfinity races part-time every year. I think it is an enormous move, and it's a seismic shift. No question about it. Uh, interesting stuff. At Davies Center on the X, Davy Siegel, host, producer, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. Always great talking to you here on Fridays, man, getting us uh, juiced up for Sunday. Appreciate it. As always, my friend, looking forward to next week as well, Scott. All right, Davy Siegel with us here. Scott Jackson, show priority on Sports Radio 94.1. Joins us via the Ballyhoo's guest line. All right, it's that time. Uh, thanks again to Davy Siegel talking NASCAR Vegas, baby, this weekend. Uh, let's get to this. The um, Philadelphia Phillies uh, considered a dollar hot dog night among their ballpark promotions for more than a quarter century, but the team has now decided it's over. Uh, those dog days of April when the weather is cold and uh, they do these promotions are going, going, gone if you want to play the stupid baseball pun. Phillies officially ended their promotion on Thursday and replaced dollar dogs on select days with two-for-one deals. Uh, for games at Citizens Bank Park in April. A statement from the team said the change was made based on the organization's ongoing commitment to provide a positive experience for all fans in attendance. So why was it not so positive in the past? Well, it's Philly, A. Anything can happen, right? <laughs> well, yeah. Last year, armed with projectile frankfurters, some unruly Philly fans began checking their favorite uh, Hetfield meat during a game late last season and dogs soared like cans of corn throughout the stands and onto the field. The demand for the discount dogs also led to clogged lanes on the concourse leading to security and safety concerns. I bet that wasn't the only thing that was clogged in Philly. I was going to say, where, were, dollar dog where exactly were those lanes clogged? <laughs> I, I don't think I want to know. I bet the Roto-Rotor guy was busy. Anyway, uh -huh. on April 11th last season, uh, it turned into a Philadelphia food, foot, uh, food fight night when fans, largely good-natured, tossed their uh, ballpark franks in several sections, leading to multiple ejections. Wow. <laughs> John Weber, the senior vice president of the Phillies ticket uh, operations and project, said uh, it, was, it wasn't just the throwing. It's the concourse, the crowds, and everybody being in the same X amount of stands. But obviously, you know, throwing was a little bit of the tipping point. <laughs> yeah, you think? Oh, boy. Good old Philly fans. Wow. So anyway, they're going to buy one, get one night instead. Uh, I'm sure April that'll 2nd. stop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, on April 2nd. So uh, good for them. Oh, boy. Gotta love the Philly fans. They're the best. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, our poll question, by the way, on the X at Jackson Sports, brought to you by Dominion Floor Coverings at ESPN Radio 941. It's still up there. You can vote for another, I don't know, 20 hours. Uh, now that Old Dominion Men's Basketball has hired uh, Mike Jones, what's the most pressing issue for the new coach? 39.2% of you say, lock in the recruiting class. 31.4% say, put the staff together. 25.5% want to work that portal uh, Paul Evans says, need to be rapid and thorough in putting the staff together and uh, look for players with an explosive physical play style. Needs to do a 360 and go kick ass. All right. There you go. All right. Good stuff. Take um, that. So that's uh, <laughs> what we got there. All right. So this was interesting. Richie had reminded me about this. I'd seen this story the other day. The Steelers are, are um, for the first time in forever, uh, without a play-by-play -play guy, Bill Hillgrove, the Steelers' long-term play-by-play guy, uh, is retiring at 83 years old. He wow. does Pittsburgh uh, football and basketball as well. He's just giving up the Steelers, but not Pitt sports. Um, so we often talk about how the Steelers 
have only had three head coaches since 1969. The Steelers had only had two play-by-play guys since 65. Jack Fleming, who also called West Virginia games, was the Steelers' play-by-play man from 65 to 93. Hillgrove succeeded him in 94. How crazy is that? That's wild. What is is everybody retiring this year? Like all broadcasters? It just seems like we've gotten a lot of these lately. It does seem like a lot of uh, big-time legendary-ish broadcasters have have, uh, have retired uh, this year. But anyway, pretty impressive stuff. Uh, A run for Bill Hillgrove. So the Steelers will be looking for just their third play-by-play guy ever. I'm sure it'll be something uh that they uh probably do in you know like it'll be local like they're not gonna do a oh, yeah. nationwide oh, yeah. no, search no, no, no. you can't come in and fake no, being a Steelers not player. there no no uh the Patriots today making some more cap space uh, releasing JC Jackson boy that that honeymoon did not last long right the return of him he'd fallen out of favors with the Chargers as well remembering that they traded him back to um back to uh the Patriots last year and uh now that's over quickly uh, for um, his time there. All right, we got a lot of people to thank uh, from today. And really, what a busy week, right? We started yeah. it with the retirement of Jeff Jones. Uh, also uh, ended it with the hiring of his replacement, Mike Jones, at Old Dominion. By the way, like I said, I, t- I saw Coach Jones, Jeff Jones today. I got I to specify my Joneses these days. Uh, and, um, you know, I was trying to talk him into doing like a radio thing with us. And he's, I, he, I think he sounds like a Hot Take Tuesday guy. Whether he wanted to call it that or not, he called it something else. I think... Just kind of, you know, he was riffing this idea off me. It sounds like a hot take Tuesday, Jeff Jones thing, but we'll see. It, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. It could it's be. just, well, this is all I'm going to say. Exactly. All right. Thanks to all of our guests, Davey Siegel, Mike Jones. And again, congratulations to Mike and his family, um, Stacy and his wife and uh, his kids. Can't wait to see them back here full time uh, once the Maryland season wraps up. Thanks to Ricky Ronnie. Great stuff from him. Really good insights from uh, the head football coach at Old Dominion. Always fun to talk to him. All right, for James Witham, Scott Jackson saying so long. we got Old Dominion basketball next final regular season game as they take on Georgia Southern. Ted Alexander and Dennis Wolf have you covered coming up shortly after we say goodbye. Uh, we are represented by Larry King Law. Injured in an accident? Call 757-INJURED. 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D. Been a lot of fun this week. We'll have some more fun next week. Join us Monday, Overreaction Monday, all off the Combine, all the college basketball bubble talk, maybe even some more ODU news. Who knows? All right. Until then, saying so long. Have a great and safe weekend. We'll see you on Monday at 3 o'clock. Scott Jackson saying good night here on Priority Auto Sports Radio. 94.1 ODU Basketball's next.